Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Amen. Good to see you. Good to see you all here. It's good to be here. It's it's an honor to be able to bring the word to you this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Elijah. I've been with Seesaw uh, the past two years and just finished uh, that up and graduated on Friday. So, so today I have the opportunity to speak with you, and and we're just going to dive right in today. I want I want to talk about how everybody has a place in the body of Christ. We all have a place. Here, we all have a place in the church. God created us all to fit in perfectly. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at it, look at why it's important to know our place and why it's important to know that, that what we do, our specific place that we're, we're at, why that's important to do that. Um, I'll, I'll be preaching the first half and then Rodney is gonna come up in the second half and take over and close this out. So before, before we get in, let's pray. God, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. May your word speak through me, not my words. In Jesus' name, amen. So who here likes football? I love football. Um, me and Rodney, we watch it all the time. He, he gets really into football. Actually, sometimes even when we're watching football, he, he gets so into it that, that I have to leave. I'm worried for my safety in the room. <laughs> because how, how much he gets into it. But fo- football's fun, it's awesome. But what makes up a team in football is all the different players, all the different positions. Now, I don't know exactly how many uh, people are on a football team or how many positions there are. I've been watching football for a while, and if you asked me or just told me a position in football, I would probably agree with you and say, yeah, it sounds, sounds about right. That's, there's, there's a whole bunch of different, you know, you got your quarterback, your offensive line, defensive line, um, your kicker, I don't know, what else? A whole bunch of other things. But what makes up the team is all those positions and each of them doing their own, their own special part and playing their role, that, that's what makes the team up. If there was a part of the team, a certain position that decided they didn't want to play, it would change the way the team played. It would change the effectiveness of the team. So say your quarterback decided, you know, I'm not, not feeling it today. I don't really feel like throwing, throwing balls anymore. So we're just not gonna have a quarterback this morning. Now, it would, it would affect the way that team played. If a football team didn't have a quarterback, it'd be much harder to score points. Um, or if your kicker, so the kicker is the guy that, that kicks the field goal or kicks the extra points. Um, if he decided, hey, look, I'm not, I don't wanna do it today, it would change the way the game is played, and it would also like devalue the team. Like they're just giving up free points because what the kicker does, he kicks the extra point. I mean, it doesn't go in all the time, but it's a pretty high chance. So if he just decided to quit, it, it, would, it would change the way the team, the team is and how, how effective they are. Um, but it's, it's all the different positions that come together to make up the team. The, the, every, every team has a level that they're at, whether it's in college or NFL or whatever league it's in, they all have to have, meet that level of standards so that they can play where they're at. It's similar with the body of Christ, right? We all, 
have different positions. We all have different parts, different pieces that we play in different places we serve. But as we all come together, we make up the body of Christ. If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11. Says, and he gave himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you read it in the NLT, it says measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Or in the Amplified, I like this one, it says reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So, We as the church, we as the body of Christ have a standard. We have something that we are measured up to. And what is that standard? According to this, our standard is Christ. Christ is the standard for the church. Christ is the standard that that we are going to reach. Um, The definition of standard is the level of quality or attainment. So as as we each serve the body of Christ, we're, we're measured up to the quality of Christ. We reach the quality of Christ. We attain the level that Christ is at. I think of it as as a Chick-fil-A. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A, right? Every Chick-fil-A is is, uh, measured up to a certain quality, measured up to a certain standard. When a store opens, they get get the, the, the design plans from the architect or for the designer, and they build it, and it looks just like, pretty much like every other Chick-fil-A. You, you walk inside, they have the same machine, machines, they have the same menus, the same food. Every, every employee there is wearing the same uniform. They've all got red shirts on, black pants on. If you, if you walk into a Chick-fil-A, everything looks like a Chick-fil-A. It meets the quality, it meets the standard of a Chick-fil-A. When you say, thank you, they say, my pleasure. Now, I've never done this, but if you, if you go into Chick-fil-A, you can be very thankful and see how many times you can get them to say, my pleasure, back. <laughs> Never done that, but just, just throw it out there. Now, if, if someone in the restaurant, say, say one of the workers decides, I don't want to wear the uniform today. So he walks in, and he's like, I'm just going to wear a tank top, shorts. That, you know, that's good. There's probably going to be some problems at work, right? It's probably going to get written up, and if he keeps showing up like this, he's probably gonna get fired. Why? Because it doesn't meet the standard of Chick-fil-A. It doesn't meet the level of quality that they require. If any, if you could, that's true about any part of, of Chick-fil-A, any worker there. If the owner or whoever 
decides what food they serve, just decided, you know, today we're, we're gonna change the chicken sandwich. Let's sell McChickens. Now, if you went to Chick-fil-A and you ordered a chicken sandwich and you got a McChicken, I would be very disappointed. Why is that? Because a McChicken does not meet the quality or the standard of a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. So, but across the whole board, if there was any, any part of the Chick-fil-A that didn't meet the standard, if they decided to change the way they did it, or it was just like, I'm not, I don't really feel like doing what the, what's required of me, it wouldn't make the Chick-fil-A, right? The Chick-fil-A would be much different. So it's the same in the body of Christ. We, we all have a part to play. We all come together, and as we serve in unity, we make up the body of Christ. So ask yourself, do I look like Jesus? Am I playing the part that I am supposed to play in the body of Christ? Now, I don't want us to get discouraged and say, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'll get to that measure. That the standard of Christ, that's a high standard. That, that's like, there's not a higher standard than that. And you're telling me that that's what we measure up to? I don't know, man. Like, that's, that's a lot. Well, the good news is this, if you read, if you read back over the chapter, it doesn't say, in, in uh, verse 13, it doesn't say, hopefully, you know, when we, when we come to, 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 the, to the standard, maybe if we get lucky, we'll get there. No, it says, till we all come. We will come to the standard of Christ. But how we do that, it tells us in verses 15 and 16. If you look at verse 14, it gives us a couple ways, a few different ways of how not to get there. Things that will hinder that. Things to stay away from. But in verse 15 and 16, it shows us how we get there. So let's pick it up in verse 15. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head and body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice that part. As each part does its own special work. Each part has, every single one of you has a part to play in the body of Christ. Every believer has a part, a part to play in the body of Christ. If you're, if you're not a believer, there will, there will be an opportunity at the end of service for you, for you to join the family of God. But if, you, if, you're, if you've never been a part or never accepted Jesus into your heart, there's room in the family of God. God wants you to be a part of his family. There's a place for you. It says he created us all to have a, a part. He created us to fit together perfectly. I think of it as a puzzle. If you love doing puzzles, I don't. I hate puzzles. They take too much time. But if you love doing puzzles, you know, you get, get one of those big, big puzzles, like 5,000 pieces, you, you dump it out. You start putting it together. Now, it can take time to get it all figured out, figure out which place, which piece goes where and how it all fits together. But every piece has a spot in the puzzle. Every piece fits perfectly. Wherever that piece is supposed to go, it fits perfectly. You know, when I put a piece, a puzzle together, you know, you're always trying to force it in somewhere where it's not supposed to go. But once you find the spot where it goes, it just, it slides right in because it has a spot. It has, it has a place. And once, 
Once every spot is filled, once you complete the puzzle, what does it create? It creates a beautiful picture. Just like the body of Christ. When we all come together, when we all serve, God, God created us perfectly to fit together. He didn't create us to have spots that are missing. He didn't create, it's just like a puzzle with pieces missing. Every single piece fits. Every single piece has a, has a place. And when, it's all, when, when we're all joined together in unity, when we all come together, join together, what does it create? It creates a beautiful picture. We reach that standard that we've been given. We reach the level of Christ, the level and quality of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. And this is for everyone. It says, when we all come together and serve. It's not just for, don't, don't use this, the excuse, it's just for Pastor Luke. It's just for the pastors at our church or, or the, the other people on staff or for the students in CSOM, the, the school of ministry. It's for, it's for those students to do the serving. You know, I'm just gonna, just gonna walk in here and sit in service and head out. No, it, it's for everyone Everyone has a part. Everyone has a special work that God's created you for you and a special work for you to do. So when, when we all come together and we all serve the way that, that God, in the area that God's created us to serve, we create a beautiful picture. We reach that level of quality and the level of Christ. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition into Rodney. He's going to come up and take over the second half and close us out. Right. That was a good word, Elijah. We're going to continue on that word. It, it, it's important to know that we all go together. It's important to know that we are a body and that we each need each other. And without a member of the body, it's not the same. So without you serving, it's not the same. And I wanted to talk real quickly about your gift, about your calling. You see, some people start minimizing their gift or they minimize their calling. Or in other words, they, they, they continue to say, it's common, they call common what God has called useful. You know, there's a gift on the inside of you. There's a purpose for you to be here on the earth. I don't care if maybe family or friends or, or whoever has been have told you that there is no purpose for you. That's a lie from the enemy because God has created each of us with a purpose. There's a purpose for all of us. I'm gonna ask you that you turn your Bibles to Acts 10. And growing up in middle school and high school, I was always that weird kid who liked presentations. I liked to get in front of the class I like to be writing on the board or whatever it looked like, I wanted to be in the center of attention. You know, and even still today, I could be at the gas station or at Kroger and I'm gonna be talking. I'm going to find out everything about you and I'm gonna give you my whole life story within 30 to 45 seconds. And growing up, I didn't understand that, that was a gift and a call. I didn't understand that it was unique to me until I started meeting some friends who were very introverted. And those introverted friends would always give me a hard time. Why are you, do you like getting in front of people? Why do you like meeting new people? It's scary, it's weird, why? 
And so then I started examining myself, started realizing, you know, that's a gift, that's a call. While some people are terrified to get in front of people and speak, I love it, I thrive in it. While some people hate meeting new people, I love it, I thrive in it. You know, and, may, and maybe your gift, it isn't to speak, but I know there's just some people, for whatever reason, when you, when you just see them, they have a smile on their face that lights the whole room. Or there's somebody that, the moment you see them, you just understand everything's gonna be different. You know, there's different giftings, there's different callings on the, east, on the inside of us. So I wanna look at Acts 10, starting in verse nine. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. They became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. There's a lot of times in our life, there's a gifting and there's a calling that we start trying to minimize and we say, that's just common, anybody can do that. But the truth is, that's not the case. In this story, what it represents is the Gentiles being grafted in, that the Gentiles are being of good use. And when God appears to Peter and says, hey, Peter, the Gentiles are of use, do not call them common. There's something on the inside of them that is useful. And that's what he's speaking to us today that the gift, the call that is on your life, it is useful. See, many times we minimize the gift. I believe that's why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14 and says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. It's so easy to start minimizing your call, to minimize your gift, or to say anybody can do that. But the truth is, the Lord placed specific gifts on the inside of you that is only for you. When God, we were made in God's image, fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image, there's only one God, there's only one like him, there's nobody else like him. So whenever he was creating you and crafting you in your mother's womb, he was saying, I'm giving you this gift. I'm gonna give you that gift. This person's gonna get this gift. And the truth is, you're the only one like that. You're the only one with those giftings. There's a saying that you want in a million, that statement is not true because the truth is there may be 8.6 billion people on this earth, but there's only one of you. There's only one person with the gift. There's only one person with the purpose and the call of God that you have, and it's you. Not the person to your right, not the person to your left, not a person in China, but you. And we see this repeated throughout scripture that the Lord would appear to somebody and say, hey, you have a gift, you have a call, I'm gonna use you. And they start minimizing, Lord, I don't know. I don't know if you can use me, you just don't understand. The first example I wanna look at is in Exodus. In Exodus four. Exodus four, starting at verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, 
I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made the man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. You see, Moses didn't understand the gifts or the call. And he began to say, Lord, you don't understand. You can't use me. You just don't understand, Lord. I'm not worthy. You just don't understand, Lord. Anybody can do what I'm gonna do. Anybody has the same giftings. Anybody has the same callings on their life. But the Lord said, no, I've chose you. And that's what he's speaking to us today. That there might be things that the Lord is speaking to you today and you say, use somebody else, that's just too common. Or you may be neglecting that. But the truth is what the Lord is saying to you today, that you use it. I've given it to you, you do it. And as you step out and start saying, okay, Lord, I'm done calling common what you've called useful. You start putting your hand to the plow and start working. You may not understand completely the big picture, but as you continue to walk and as you continue to go, it'll start becoming evident. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. You see, when the Lord appeared to Moses, Moses did not understand the big picture. And in fact, he doesn't even find out why he was called until Exodus 9. And in Exodus 9, verse 16, it says, but indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. This is a statement that the Lord was speaking to him, but it's not just to him. He's saying the same thing to you. For this reason, there is a reason, there is a gift, there's a call. And for that reason, for that reason, he's put the gift on your life. And you see, far too often there's this misconception that the gift on my life is for me. That's not the truth. The gift that is on your life is not for you. But in fact, it's for the Lord to use you. The gift that is on your life, the Lord's gonna use you to set people free. The gift was never about you, but the gift was for the Lord to set freedom to somebody. Moses goes on and sees three million people set free out of captivity. Had he have minimized his gift, had he have said that's, anybody could do that, I'm, I'm common. If he would have stayed in that mind frame, three million people would have stayed in captivity. And the truth is, there are people in your paths that are the same way. There are people Right now, as you cross paths with, they're thinking the same thing. The next example I want to look at is in Genesis 18. And in this time, the Lord appears to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he says, how, Lord? I have not a son. And the Lord just says, trust me, the sand will be a comparison to, to the number of your descendants. His descendants will be so many, they will be the sand. And I want to pick up in Genesis 18. And the Lord said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. 
Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So the Lord appears to Abraham and says, this time next year, you will have a son. Sarah was listening in the other room, and she was like, what? She started laughing. She said, there's no way, I'm just too old. You don't understand, Lord. Use somebody else. Use somebody else. Someone else can be gifted for this, someone else. Like, I'm calling common what you've called useful. That's what Sarah began to say. And it's funny, because we look at this story, and we think, Sarah, why, why did you think that the Lord couldn't use you? Why did you laugh? Why was you minimizing that? But there's far too often in our own lives, we do the same thing. When we start minimizing the gifts, we're trying to talk ourselves out of the call, that's what we're doing. We're actually saying, Lord, you can't use me. What we're actually saying is we're laughing at God and saying, you can't use me. I know that you're powerful, I know you can do a lot of things, but using me is not one of them. And the truth is, both these examples, the gift that was on their life, it wasn't for them. And that is the truth with us. And anytime I think about this principle, I have to think about what if the man who's seen Billy Graham's family saved would have neglected their gift? What if the man that's seen Kenneth Hagin's family saved would have neglected their gift? What if the man that's seen Pastor Luke Brueger's family saved would have neglected their gift? When we start thinking about it that way, we're saying, okay, not only did it continue to go, but as I step out and say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna use my gift, you touch one person, that person touches people, and it just keeps going forward. And you see, that will continue to happen from now until the Lord returns. If the Lord tarries for another thousand years, that principle will be in play. That as you minister, as you use your gifts to touch one person, that person touches a person, and that person touches a person, and that person touches a person, and so on and so forth. But what stops that flow is it takes one person saying, I'm done. God, you can't use me. It takes one person in that whole line to start neglecting their gift, and it stops. The truth is we cannot minimize. We can't call common what God has called useful. And I'm gonna ask you to turn your Bibles to Acts 9. Just the other day, a couple weeks ago, I was driving, and the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, I need you to pull over into this gas station, run inside, and tell the person at the counter that I love them and I see them. So as I'm driving, I'm like, okay. So I pull over, pull into the gas station, I run inside, and I say, hey, this is gonna sound crazy, but I was just driving, and the Lord said, hey, pull over into this gas station, come inside and tell you that he loves you and he sees you. He's like, what, what, what'd you say? So I tell him again, hey, I, I, was, I was driving by, and the Lord said, pull into your driveway, pull into the gas station, run inside, and tell them that I love you and I see you. And he looks at me, he's like, that's so crazy. 
It's so crazy because just the other day, I was in my room and I said, Lord, if you are real, reveal yourself to me. Lord, if you're real, send one of your followers after me. And the truth is, it's the same for each and every single one of us. That there are people who are praying that same prayer, who are crying out, Lord, if you are real, reveal yourself. Lord, if you are real, make yourself known. Lord, if you're real, send somebody who follows you to tell me. I don't know what that man was dealing with. I don't know what his life looked like up to that point. But the truth is, if I would have neglected my gift, if I would have said, Lord, send somebody else. Lord, that's too common. The Lord had called a use though. If I would have continued to neglect it, that man would be in the same place as when I found him. He would not have received Jesus. I ended up was able to lead him in, in a prayer to receive the Lord. He would still be on his way to hell. And there's people all throughout our paths that as you start using your gifting, as you start using your calling, as you start saying, okay, Lord, I'm gonna step out on this, you're gonna see the same thing. So Acts 9, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying and in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. You see, Saul up to this point, he was persecuting Christians. Up to this point, he was throwing him in jail, beating him to the point of death, but it don't matter about our past. What matters is our future. What matters is the Lord seen him and said, there's, there's a gift there. Had Ananias neglected that gift that was on Ananias' life, had Ananias said, okay, Lord, this is too common, we would not have half the New Testament. Paul goes on to write half the New Testament. And I believe to, today, that maybe some of you guys are saying, my past is too dirty. That some of you guys are saying, you don't understand where I've come from. You're right, I don't. But the Lord sees it. And, but what the Lord does see even greater is your future. What the Lord sees even deeper is your gifting and your calling. So I'm gonna ask you here today, are you serving? If you are serving, where are you serving at? Are you using your gifts? As Elijah mentioned, a body can only work effectively when everyone's working together. That a body can only be a body making great impact when all of its members are working. And the truth is, if you're in the body of Christ, 
We need you serving. We need you reaching. In just a few moments, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to sign up for Growth Track. And what that looks like is next week, we're gonna have a class upstairs. And in that class, we're gonna walk you through what it looks like to serve. We're gonna walk you through finding your place in the body. We're gonna walk you through the church. We're gonna walk you through to help you find your best fit for where you, where you uh, should serve. But some of us in here have went through growth track, but aren't serving. I ask you why. What changed? We need you serving. We're not complete without you. There's a gift on the inside of you that we need you serving. So in just a few moments, maybe you're one of those people who also have opportunity for you to sign up as well. Whether you've went through growth track or you haven't went through growth track, we need you serving. But before I do, I'm asking you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I wanna be used by God. Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you ever heard that God has a purpose and a plan. Maybe this is your first time you ever heard that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. The first step, the first plan, the first thing he has purposed you to do is to receive him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here tonight, and you, or tonight, today, and you say, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never done step one of his purpose. Or maybe you're in here and you say, at one point, I said a prayer. At one point, maybe he was even living on fire for God. But somewhere along the way, you've fallen away from God. The way you know you need to make this decision is to ask yourself deep down on the inside, if your life came to an end right now, do I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven? The scripture says, his witness bears witness with our spirits that we are sons of God. If you don't have that peace, this decision is for you. So if you fall into either one of those categories, I wanna pray with you. So I'm gonna have you, I ask that you raise your hand if that is you. Is there anyone at all? Maybe you say, I've never received Jesus. Or I need to come back to serving him. Is there anyone at all? I'm gonna ask that you lean over to the person beside you and ask them, should you have came up? We're a family. Tell them I'll come up with you. I'm gonna ask you again. If you need to make one of those two decisions, I ask you to raise your hand. Anyone at all. Don't leave here not knowing. I see a hand. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? I feel the Lord laying on my heart again. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I think I'm saved. I think I'm on my way to heaven, but you're just not 100% certain. Is there any of you? If that's you, you raise your hand too. Okay, the one who raised their hand, I'm gonna ask you to look at me real, just, just real quick. What I'm gonna do in just a few moments, I'm gonna invite you to come down and join me at the front. Not to do anything weird, I just wanna lead you in a prayer in case you don't know what to say. The Bible says when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, that's when we shall be saved. And you've raised your hand so you believe in your heart. And I'm just gonna help you with the second part just in case you don't know what to say. So I'm gonna ask you to make your way down to the front so I can pray with you. I'm gonna have you guys line up here in the front. Line up here, just face me. Face me. Nice to meet you. Awesome. You, you, can, you can stand here and just face me. Um, it's not magic words. But you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. That's when you shall be safe. So I'm going to invite you to repeat this with me. I'm going to invite the whole church to repeat this with me, actually. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize today I'm not where I should be. I know that I've sinned. And I know I need a Savior. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus Christ is that Savior. I believe He died on the cross and he rose for my sins. And I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me the plans you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a few moments, I'm gonna have my friend go back. She just wants to give you a couple things. But before I do, Before I do, can I pray for you? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that there's plans. Plans that that will prosper him and not harm him. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against every attack of the enemy. Anywhere where there's oppression, Anywhere there's anxiety, I break it off right now in Jesus' name. I cut the hand of the enemy off right now in Jesus' name. I pray a feeling of your presence. Jesus, continue to touch you. Father, I thank you that you're here, and I thank you that you can continue to lead him and guide him. In Jesus' name I pray. I'm gonna have you go with her. She just wants to give you a couple things to help you walk. You guys can go with them if you want. You guys. Praise God. Anytime there's a new family member of the body of Christ, all of heaven rejoices. So we're rejoicing with heaven. But I believe that's only half of what he wants to do today. As I have said, if you're not actively serving somewhere, 
in just a moment, we're gonna give you that time at the altar to come to do business with God and to sign up. To go through Grow Track, or maybe you already went through Grow Track to get you plugged in. We're not the same without you. We need you. So during this time, during this time, I'm gonna ask everybody to stand to their feet and come do business with God. Come, it's a sacrifice. It's not easy. It's never easy when when you choose to worship God. It's never easy when you sacrifice. But come and sign up. And as we're giving you time to sign up, if there's anything that you need prayer for, I'd be happy to pray with you. But this is our altar response. Come, we need you. We need you, servant. So give you that opportunity now. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.